Blog Talk Radio. May 18th, 2011, and we have a huge show for you today. Today's topic is time management, getting more done with less stress with special guest Paul Burton. And be ready to email today because later in the show, when we give the word, the first five people to email me will get a free copy of Paul's latest book, Focus Pocus, 24 Tricks for Regaining Command of Your Day. Sounds pretty good to me. Now, if you're listening live, we invite you to be a part of the show today and ask questions, and here's how you do it. You can email me at brian at benchmarkportal.com. That's spelled B-R-I-A-N. And you can also chat with us if you're logged in to calltalk.tv. If you're listening on the phone or just close to one, call this number, 347 857 3117. And make sure to press the number one on your phone to let me know that you have a question, and I'll do my best to get you in. And today, we have a very special offer to our live listeners. Not only are we going to give away five of Paul's books, but in conjunction with Vocal Labs, we are going to give someone our Phase 1 IVR assessment for 50% off. So look like a hero and bring this to the next budget meeting. We'll do it through the email, so listen close and be ready to type. I want to remind everyone that all of our shows are archived and available to listen to at calltalk.tv any time of the day. Now, speaking of that, as you know, I'm not into uh, slowing the show down with a ton of announcements, and we like to get right into the meat of the show, but today... I'd like to step outside of our format and tell you a little bit about the history of Call Talk. Benchmark Portal started the show over three years ago, and although our continual growth is wonderful, the reason behind the show is even more important. As consultants, Benchmark Portal, by nature, sets out to help people. And one of the reasons that I was excited to become a part of the team here was our president's vision to create a community for call center managers and directors just like you, and where ideas and best practices could be shared. Call Talk is a platform he came up with to do this, and you've likely noticed that we strive to keep it vendor-free. We don't have any paid sponsorship or anything of that nature, and we'll never ask any of it from you. But our team chips in during our free time to help put together these shows, and, and we really hope that you're able to take home some of the ideas shared here and better your life and business. So to expand on that concept, and in consideration of many comments that we've received, we are excited to let you know about another platform that we're setting out to establish for the call center industry. And this one, though, a little different than Call Talk, is face-to-face. We're calling it our Call Center Campus Week. This event will gather the top certified centers of excellence and industry experts to explore new trends and best practices. This call center campus will, of course, include the usual certifications we like to offer for management, workforce management, social media, and quality monitoring. But two really cool and totally new things about it will be special. will be a special night of networking on Thursday and an executive roundtable discussion on Friday. We feel this is unlike any other event for the call center industry and that you can receive call center certifications but also meet best-in-class call centers and discuss future trends that are emerging with peers in your industry. 
It's set for October 11th through 14th of this year, 2011, and held at the New York, New York Hotel. Of course, you can register on our website at benchmarkportal.com, but if you have any other questions or comments for that matter, send them my way, at benchmarkportal.com. We're really excited about this. Okay, so let's step back into the normal format and get the show rolling, as I'd like to introduce the host of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore. Well, thank you very much, Brian, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. As Brian mentioned, today's topic is time management, and we have brought in a true expert who has ideas to share that will add minutes to your day and possibly years to your life. Uh, we're welcoming Paul H. Burton, also known as Bruce, Time can in you a still Bottle hear us? Burton. I'm not sure we can hear you. Oh, okay. Can you hear me now? Hello? Paul, can you hear me? Hello? I can hear everybody. Okay, you can hear me, Paul, as well? I can hear you, Bruce. Okay, Brian, can you hear me? No. Okay. Well, we will continue uh, because hopefully our listeners can hear us. And uh, and hopefully Paul, uh, Brian will be able to as well. Anyway, as I mentioned, uh, we're welcoming Paul H. Burton, uh, who I call Time in a Bottle Burton. And in past lives, Paul has been a corporate finance attorney for a law firm uh, where he learned more about billing time than actually saving it. He became a professional services director for a software company and a dot-com entrepreneur. And for the past six years, He's been a speaker, author, trainer, and coach, helping clients to regain control of their day, get more done, and enjoy greater career and personal success. And to help you do that, Paul is donating five of his books to give away on the live show today, as Brian mentioned. So it's my pleasure to welcome Paul Burton. Thank you, Bruce. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with your audience. Okay, great. Well, you know, Paul, you've had quite a career, uh, lawyer to dot-com entrepreneur to time management consultant. Well, what's the common thread in all these things that you've been doing? Well, it, it, you know, that's a hindsight sort of thing, but really the common thread from my background is that I'm very process-driven. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever I look back over my career, the, the real additions and value-add that I had, both as a lawyer to my firm and my clients, to the software company, its clients, to my dot-com, as well as to my current clients, it's really by looking for processes and ways of doing things that are more efficient and effective so that people feel not just more successful in terms of accomplishment, but also have more time on their hands to do the things that they'd always like to have more time to do. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it really brings into... Uh, sort of stark relief, balance issues in life and balance issues in work, uh, because I find that as we parse out our lives more and more, it's not just trying to get a balance between life and work, but which parts of work do we balance, you know, do we uh, put more emphasis on than others? Do you find the same? I do. I mean, really, the vast majority of people I talk to today, both professionally and personally, are just inundated with information and requests and demands for their time. And we started this conversation a number of years ago about work-life balance. And one of the interesting trends in the in the industry, if you will, of time management or, or the, the vertical, the category, I guess, it's not really an industry, it's a category, is the notion that balance between the two is somewhat of a misnomer. It's more about effectively merging together the things that we need to do professionally 
and the mm. things that we want to do personally. Right, right. And, you know, over the past seven years, I'm sure you've been talking to a lot of people and helping thousands of clients with time management issues. Uh, what are some of the themes that you find that recur among those folks? The number one theme that reoccurs with, with people I talk to all the time is feeling overwhelmed, literally not knowing how to get back on top of the wave, if you will. They feel inundated with requests. Um, they feel constantly behind the curve of where they need to be. And it's a very stressful and disheartening feeling for many. So a lot of what I do is find ways to work with them and have them work better with what they're dealing with professionally and personally to get in front of that curve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, you know, you've got those 24 tricks in your Focus Pocus book, that uh, the great book. Uh, what are the top three recommendations you'd make to our listeners? Well, who are experiencing some of those uh, same challenges? You know, what I tell people routinely is what we have to focus on in order to regain the sense of command of our day and our lives is, number one, and, and maybe most importantly, is to reduce the amount of what I call activity and increase the amount of productivity. Mm. So whenever you're chasing about, part of what you have to ask yourself is, am I actually getting anything done? Or am I literally just chasing around, feeling very busy, but not really advancing the ball, not really moving forward? And it's kind of like treading water versus swimming. There's a lot of different tips and tricks that focus on that, but you can ask yourself that question at a high level all the time without necessarily focusing on a topical subject and say, am I getting anything done or not? Because if I'm not, the second very immediate question is, do I need to be doing this at all? Mm. The second recommendation I give people, and this is something that comes from the days of yore, uh, pre-internet, pre-email, but it's something I think we need to reintroduce, it's called regularly surveying your environment. We run day to day to day, and we become very, we become very reactionary in the way we deal with things. One way to regain command of that is to stop periodically, at least three times a day, morning, noon, at night is my preference. Uh-huh. Look at what's on your plate. Decide what is and isn't going to get done based on what you know of the day. Adjust that at noon and obviously readjust at the end of the day because what's ever left on that plate at the end of the day is not going to happen today. And it mm-hmm. may not happen tomorrow because there may be other things that have to happen tomorrow. So but <laughs> if you step in front of that and start deciding these things as opposed to reacting to the largest fire, you'll find that you regain a sense of command and candidly you're more productive as opposed to active. And then probably if we look at a specific recommendation, a third very specific recommendation, it would be to create what I call a designated workspace. And by that I mean clear an area on your desk, preferably the four corners of your desk, of everything. Your monitor, your pens, your pencils, pictures of the kids, the paperwork, the stacks, the the, the various things that can clutter up your desk, and create literally a quiet space and place the work that you're working on in that space so that you can become laser-focused on that. All of the accoutrements that are on your desk right now cause you to be slightly distracted all the time because of our 120-degree peripheral vision. So by eliminating the effects of peripheral vision and creating a designated workspace, you will, in fact, have a quieter work environment, you will be more focused, and you will get more done. Hmm. 
Okay, no, I like those. And, and actually, just thinking about what you're saying, uh, the, the first one was, do I need to be doing this at all? And uh, I think right. there's actually two parts there. One is, does this need to be done, right? And second, do I need to be doing it? And since most of our right. listeners are managers and they do have folks reporting to them, and also they do have, in many cases, an opportunity to at least argue for additional technology, one of the things that perhaps uh, can be a takeaway for folks on the on the uh, the show right now is, you know, are there things that you can delegate? And in so delegating, can you empower people to actually do things uh, that you don't have to do, but for their benefit? I think in terms of a center I was in recently where the uh, supervisors were taking an enormous amount of time putting together the information needed for reviews and for uh, their sessions with agents. And similarly, Managers were putting the, uh, putting an enormous amount of times into put it, getting that information together for talking to their supervisors, and in fact, uh, two things happened. One is they found out that in some cases that information could be put together by the uh, reportee instead of the person being reported to more easily and quickly, and secondly, uh, that technology all of a sudden popped out that could have helped them out a lot, and now they're putting together a uh, proposal to senior management that they can show with numbers is going to save time, is going to actually save money in the end, uh, and they'll end up having a happier work environment where things get done more quickly and they'll have more information on which they can, in fact, uh, do their their, their uh, evaluations. So uh, that that I, I think that is a really good takeaway for this, and everyone should think about that. And when you're talking about Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm just agreeing with you, absolutely. Yeah, and, and the other thing is uh, what I thought about when you were saying, uh, you know, do I need to do this, and maybe it won't get done today or tomorrow. Uh, I have a saying that I often uh, give to my uh, clients, which is every day is a good day for spring cleaning. And what you're saying is three times a day is a good time for spring cleaning, right? You can really right. sort of clean things up. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, and it's it's really it's managing the flow because one of the mistakes we make is we we desperately want the world to stop spinning at twenty three thousand miles an hour so we can catch up. Mm. And the unfortunate reality is, and, and this is not a technological issue; it, it's exacerbated to some degree by technology, but it doesn't do that. There's mm. always going to be new stuff coming in. It just comes in a little faster now. Right. But we have to understand that we live in a flow. Mm-hmm. And that taking, you know, that kind of time out periodically throughout the day to review what's there on our plate and to make concerted and intelligent decisions based on that particular time point, a date stamp right now, time stamp, and then moving forward is one of the great ways of staying in command of your work. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, great points. Uh, thank you for sharing those. And, and just one more question before we go to questions from the audience. And uh, how do you measure success in all of this, Paul, uh, for the individual, for the team, the organization? Uh, how do you measure success after, you know, trying to trying some of these things out? How do you know it's working for right. you? Well, there are three basic metrics that I measure success by. As a former attorney, 
it doesn't surprise, won't surprise anybody to know that I think in terms of six-minute increments. It's the tenth of the hour. I know. I've been charged and, in those six-minute increments, so I know. Yeah, right? Yeah, we, we've all been there. And one of the things that I talk to my prospective clients about is, look, if we can increase productivity by six minutes a day, one-tenth of an hour each day, aggregated out over the course of a year, an average work year, we're talking about 24 additional hours of productivity. Mm. We're talking literally about three eight-hour days of work done this year that was not getting done last year. Mm. And you can monetize that very, very quickly, depending on how you want whether it's an FTE loaded cost or it's a to- true billable environment or whatever else. So that's the monetary analysis. The, the secondary component of value, if you will, or success, is that by being in command of your work and having a greater control over what's going on in your day, you will be more responsive, you will be more effective, and of course you're going to be more efficient. So those are high-touch level concepts on efficiency and productivity that are success-oriented for for time management principles. Mm -hmm. And then the final one, and the one that I think is one of the reasons that I've been so successful is understanding this and and really proving this to my my clients and my audiences that I speak to, is that if you feel like you're getting more done, you are happier. Mm -hmm. And that, at the end of the day, is a fundamental precept of what I do. Getting three days of work off your desk will make you feel good. Mm-hmm. And so whether I'm speaking to the organization itself and they're looking at what's the ROI on this, well, we can do an R- a literal return on investment analysis. If we're talking to the audience, I don't want to be two-faced. I don't want to stand up there and say, oh, you should do all this because of this. No, no, I tell look, I sold this to the organization on the idea of the financial ROI. Mm-hmm. But there's also a personal ROI and that is being in command and enjoying what you do and feeling more successful. Mm. And all of those sit together in the same world, and I'm perfectly happy with that. And I find most people are too, because if the organization is doing well, that's better for them too. Absolutely. It's so nice that when you're rowing in a direction that helps yourself, it also helps the organization. And so at the end of the year, your bosses are going to be happy, you're going to be a happier person, and the shareholders will be happier as well. Um, It's nice when that happens, isn't it? Yep. Okay, good. I want to do a little sound check here for uh, Brian to make sure that the technology still has him in the loop. Brian, uh, can we open the floor to you for uh, questions? or? Yeah, let's see. Can you guys hear me right now? We can, loud and clear. Oh, great. Okay, good. Well, uh, yeah, we did get a couple uh, couple emails in already, and so uh, let's go ahead and kick off with a couple questions. I do want to remind everyone that uh, you are free to call in at 347-857-3117, and uh, we'll get you on air, and you can actually ask your question in person. But uh also want to welcome some of our uh, people that have already called in from California, West Virginia, and Wisconsin, just to name a few. So thanks for tuning in today. And also, if you're logged in to calltalk.tv, you can see there's a chat box there that I've been saying hello out to, and uh, just go ahead and type your question in right there, and I'll get it on the air. But the first question comes from Mike, and uh, his question is, 
how do you deal with the fact that everyone wants everything right now? Mm. Okay, Paul, how about that one? That's a great question because it brings up one of my famous, uh, one of my favorite diatribes that I totally, I tend to get off on when I'm speaking or training, and that's this notion of ASAP, you know, the, as, as soon as possible. ASAP is almost always a fictitious deadline. I've begun calling it lazy deadline. Mm-hmm. And the reason is it can mean different things to different people. For example, you may mean I need this right now. And what that would mean to me is, well, right now I'm working on this. So why are you, the person giving me this work, ostensibly my superior, not managing my deadlines better? I mean, if you need this right now, what about this other thing you've asked me to do? So what I talk about is, Understand that right now, yesterday, ASAP, urgent, highest priority, all of these other names have zero specificity to them. And if I have 10 right nows or 10 ASAPs, which one should I do first? Mm. <laughs> That's why I call it lazy deadline. It's, it's a manager's responsibility to manage deadlines as well as work. It is the individual worker's responsibility to manage their environment. So if they aren't getting good deadlines, there are diplomatic ways you can respond to that sort of request. You can politely inquire whether a specific date and time would be acceptable. So, for example, thank you, Mike. I'd love to work on that right now for you. Um, I'm working on a couple of other things right now. Would Thursday, tomorrow, at 2 o'clock, be acceptable. Now, I've gone from right now to Thursday at 2 o'clock. And what we've started is a conversation that has some specificity built into it. Or, Mike, I understand that you need this right now. Here are the three other things that I'm working on for manager X. Would you like to talk with her to make sure that it's okay that I put yours in front? And again not my responsibility for the two managers to determine which of the things are most important. It's their responsibility. And what we've done is we've gotten lazy about that. We keep shoving it down and what we're doing to the people who are working for us, and I own a dot-com that has seven people working for me. I'm being lazy. I'm just stressing them out by not working harder myself to provide specificity. So if you're in the recipient state, uh chair, look for ways to diplomatically request a specific date and time, even if it's 5 o'clock today, because that gives you, you know, right now on the West Coast, which is where I am, it's a little after 1 o'clock, but at least gives me three and a half, four hours to manage it into my schedule. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, great takeaway there. I'm just wondering if I hope that the people who report to me are listening or not. I'm not <laughs> quite sure. <laughs> But anyway, no, I've been in that position too, Paul, where, you know, after having responded to something that says ASAP, urgent, all that kind of stuff, I sort of feel like a sap, you know, because uh, I find out later on that it really wasn't that urgent. And so ASAP, you know, turns into feeling like a sap if you you don't uh, manage it. And I think what you just gave us are some really good takeaways for concretely uh, working with people who hand us those uh, ASAP requests 
And also for those of us who tend to give the ASAP requests, some things to think about in terms of doing it more more responsibly. Right, right. Yeah, deadline, deadlining is a team sport, that's for sure. That's a good one, yeah. To get it over the goal line, you need to, you know, have everybody on the team. Okay, right. well, do we have another uh, question, uh, Brian? Yes, we do, and uh, thanks for the insight on that. Uh, that was very interesting. I think I even uh, asked a colleague to do something ASAP today, so I'll, I'll take that one to heart for sure. <laughs> this <laughs> okay, is a, uh, a universal is, uh, sin, I think, in today's world. But anyway, go ahead. Okay, this next one uh, comes from Leslie, and her question is, what's the best way to stay caught up with email? Oh, my goodness, good, good question. Uh, it's a great question. I mean, email is the boon and the bane of modern existence. You know, when nobody could effectively do their jobs without it, and at the same time, we just all wish it would go away. Um, the reality is it's not going to, and it's a form of communication that when used properly is highly effective, as are the others, texting and phone calls and, you know, the old school face-to-face -face meetings. But what I tell people is, oh, can you hear me? I can, yes. Okay, yeah, I had a strange uh, uh, link come up on, on my end. Uh, so I'm going to continue answering that question. There are two things I think you can do with email to make it at least a little better. First is create a good filing system, whether it's in your email client itself, through folders and subfolders, or through your company's document management system, if in fact they have one established on the company servers, and then use the move to folder function, which you can find in almost all email clients. Microsoft Outlook and Lotus Notes both have this. Um, others do have some form of move. Google Apps has it. Uh, Yahoo has it. So there are ways to move emails into these folders. And these are emails that simply don't need to be in your inbox anymore. Just mm -hmm. get the junk out. Either delete it or file it away, just like you do paperwork, so that the clutter is gone and you can see better what really is on your plate in terms of your email inbox. Secondly, do not respond to every email as it arrives in your inbox. Mm. That is literally just self-inflicted interruptions. Turn off any new email alerts that you have and periodically throughout the day check your email. And periodically can mean every 15 minutes. But if you're looking down and glancing away at email every time one comes in, and the average corporate employee is now receiving over 100 emails a day, that is taking a tremendous amount of time for you to look over, then look back at what you were just working on and spin back up on that one item and get back to work. Um, in my talking with clients and the measurement I've done of this, it can cost you up to your six to seven minutes a day of activity with no productivity, simply checking and disregarding emails as they come in. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I can see that that would be a big uh, thing. One of the things that I find, too, is that I get these uh, emails that I think are junk and may be infected, and I'm uh, reluctant to actually click on them and, uh, you know, unsubscribe because I'm afraid that that's going to um, – you know, that's going to in, in, infect me in some way. And as a result, right. I just uh, keep deleting them day after day after day. Um, right. I don't know if 
there's any. And there's a certain aspect of that that you know, better to be safe than sorry for sure. Right. Um, the other side of it is, you know, we haven't gotten rid of all those flyers you get in your physical mail every day either. <laughs> yeah. Any coupons and deals, and so there's some level that will never go away. But you can deal with the vast majority of your trash or your filing um, quickly, and then get back to the work emails that sit mm-hmm. in your inbox. Hey, right, and, and perhaps on a, any given week, uh, put aside all of those emails that you really would like to unsubscribe from and then have your friendly IT person sit next to you and say, is it okay if I delete this one, you know, yeah. and uh, just go through it, get rid of them. Yeah, probably a great yeah. idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Okay, good. Brian, do we have another question? Yeah, and if you don't mind, I've got a follow-up question on the, the email side of things, Paul. Uh, is there a, a standard that you know of or maybe even a best practice that – would uh, indicate response time to emails, uh, or is it just normal that people would expect to send out an email and not get a response uh, within a certain time period, or what are your thoughts on that? You know, I mean, it just goes back and forth, and I, I have this conversation a lot. Um, I My dot-com is in the business as an e-commerce retailer. We retail kayaking here, and we, we ship 100% of the things we sell. So whether you buy us a life jacket from us, a paddle, or a kayak, it's getting shipped to you. We do not have a physical presence that people come to. And I know that I can get a life jacket shipped to anywhere within the continental United States within five business days using UPS. I know that from experience. And so we have set a best practice in our organization that when talking to a customer on the phone, and if you actually look at our website, it also says this, that their package will take five business days to reach them. That includes customers who live 60 miles away or 1,000 miles away or up to 3,000 miles. Mm -hmm. And the point I'm making is this. We have set expectations with our recipients, with our customers, on when they will receive their package. And the reason for that, and we proactively do this, is because if I'm a day early with that package, I'm a hero. If I'm a day late with that package, I'm a zero. (laughs) So when you think about this in terms of email, there are several issues. One, you should be as responsive as you feel necessary in order to allay the concerns by the sender that they did not receive the email, that you did not receive the email. You can do that with an autoresponder. For example, you can set up an autoresponder that goes out to every single email, to the sender of every email you receive that says, I've received your email. I periodically review my emails throughout the day. I will get back to you just as soon as possible. And before you recoil in horror, Mm. from that suggestion. Remember, that's exactly what your voicemail says. <laughs> that's and a good point. When we first started coming up with voicemail 25 years ago, people all thought it was very impersonal. It is way better to respond to email in a timely, thoughtful fashion than to simply say, I got it. Because I got it is activity with no corresponding productivity. Interesting, interesting. Okay, I'm sure there could be some real good in, uh, discussions. On oh, that. yeah, no, that one usually gets the discussion started. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think yeah. But we have to understand that, you know, 
at, I get two to two, two to three hundred emails a day, and I yeah. spend a lot of time on planes and a lot of time speaking with your audience right now. And I am not responding to email right now. Right. And I would suggest to everybody that was listening, it would be rude for me to do so. So why, when I'm in the middle of working on another project for another client, should I be responding to client C's email? Isn't that right. equally rude? Yeah. Yeah, good point. Very good something point. Something to think point. about. Yeah, something to think about. Absolutely. Good. Well, listen, we a lot of really good things to to, uh, to bring back to our work lives from this. We're at the bottom of the hour now, so we're running a little over time. Do we have time for one more, Brian, one more question? Yeah, and actually that's perfect. I've got one more here in the queue. But uh, before we do that, uh, this is probably a good time as well as uh, to ask the audience, remember when I mentioned we were going to give away five of Paul's book, uh, Focus, Focus, 24 Tricks for Regaining Command of Your Day? Well, now is the time. So listen up. The first five people in my email with the topic line as less stress will be the winners. Send that email to brian at benchmarkportal.com. Again, topic line as less stress and include your address so we know where to uh, send the book to you. And uh, that would be great. But also, as I mentioned earlier, we'd also have a 50% off coupon for a call center IVR assessment. So hey, while we're feeling generous, let's do that right now. And course, as an effort to show you, our listeners, our appreciation for listening and all the great questions and suggestions you brought to us. We want to give someone the assessment for half off. So how about the first person to email me with IVR in the subject line will get that one. So, okay, a couple things out there on the table, so good luck to everyone. Again, the email is brian, B-R-I-A-N, at benchmarkportal.com. All right, so for our final question of the day, um, Let's see, uh, comes from Natalia, and she asks, what recommendations do you have on making group meetings more productive? Great question. Uh, One of the things we, I think, know without knowing or actually acknowledging to ourselves and others is that meeting time, putting a group of people together in a room, is absolutely the most expensive time any organization can spend, and I use spend in quotation marks, we put a bunch of very well-paid, hopefully, people in a room together, and now we need to make them as efficient as possible so that that time, that collective time spent, is, is effective and productive for each other and for the organization. So here are three quick tips that I have for making meetings more productive. Number one, cut the meeting time by 25%. What I mean by that is take a 60-minute meeting and make it 45, or a 30-minute meeting and make it 25. Why? Well, work fills the time allotted. So if we cut our meetings by 15 minutes, our hour-long meetings by 15 minutes, funny that, we'll probably get everything done that we need to get done in 45 minutes. Freeing up that additional 15 minutes for people to get other things done, like check in between meetings, respond to requests, get back on their email, return some calls, make sure projects are moving forward well. There's 15 additional minutes. That's almost three-tenths of productivity right there by cutting meeting length to 45 minutes. Number two, require all the material that will be discussed at the meeting to be distributed 24 hours in advance of the meeting. We used to call this homework when we were in school. 
Mm. We used to have to come prepared to meetings. Why are we spending the first 15 to 20 minutes of every meeting bringing people up to speed? That is a highly inefficient way to be productive in a meeting. We send it out ahead of time and we expect people to read it and come in ready to talk about it. We're going to be very effective in our new 45-minute block. And then finally, and this is an area that is very often talked about and very little followed, is you should have and follow religiously an agenda. This is the roadmap to the meeting. There's a reason for this meeting, and it's to achieve a certain destination. Without that roadmap, you tend to wander around getting lost. Hmm. If a good idea has come up in the meeting, that's fine. You can do two things. Reserve them to the end if you have a few extra minutes, or schedule another meeting where materials are prepared, distributed in advance, and everybody comes prepared to discuss that issue downstream. Hmm. Okay, uh, great one. Natalia, thank you very much for that question. And, uh, Paul, great answer to that, nice uh, articulated answer. That I'm, I think we can all bring something away from that and try to make our meeting times more productive. I know we had something we called Meeting Miser that uh, we created, uh, and I could probably dig up, but it had uh, a, a little input thing. It was a computerized program. Everybody uh, was supposed to pass in front of the computer and input their salary totally anonymously so no one would see it. And then after everyone who was in the meeting had put their uh, salary in, you'd push a button and this little odometer type thing would start going and show you how much money the meeting was costing. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Boy, was that a way to uh, just remind people how much in the way of resources and uh, money was being spent on the meeting. Yep. So, listen, very, very good uh, insights there. Thank you very much. I want to uh, thank you very much, Paul, for being on the show today, and uh, thank all of our listeners as well. And I'll hand it back at this point to Brian. Sounds good. And, uh, yeah, thanks again, Paul. I appreciate all your insight on uh, time management. Definitely great ideas on getting more done with less stress. And, uh, Bruce, I look forward to our next company meeting being about 20% shorter. So uh, that's all good. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> okay. Uh, first thing, oh, Paul, you got me in trouble listener. now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's right. Paul, you're our next guest again. You're coming back. All right. And yeah, uh, yeah. I want to thank everyone for listening in. Our uh, next show will be on June 15th, where we'll talk about customer satisfaction, acting on the voice of the customer, and using feedback to improve service and loyalty. That will be with Peter Leptic from Vocal Labs, so another great show uh, there. And uh, don't forget to sign up for our free Reality Check Benchmark Report to see how your call center compares to others in the industry. And uh, really, once again, from all of us here at Benchmark Portal, keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. This is Brian Carrington signing out. Have yourself a great day. <laughs>